0: Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on this Friday, a Fights in Football Friday. My name is Peter Klein, thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, as the name says, it's going to be about the fights in the football as we preview UFC 296 and look at the week ahead in the National Football League. I'm apparently very choked up about it. As always, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see, uh, see on the screen, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show, Couch diary at yahoo.com. Um, so yes, as always, if you're listening in podcast form, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the channel, and hit like. That stuff helps me out greatly. Um, okay, it's going to be a long one, so let's get right into it, talking about the National Football League. <laughs> All right, it is our week 15 preview. We should mention uh, yesterday's game was an absolute shit show as the Raiders win 63-21 over the Chargers of Los Angeles, costing Brandon Staley his job. Um, I don't know if it was so much that the players quit on him, but um, I hope so, because that was abysmal, what was put out there by the Chargers. It just feels like the Chargers quit in general. I, I think that could have been Vince Lombardi out there, and given everything that's gone on with the Chargers team this season, they they, they were going to, to quit, but, It was so clear that Brandon Staley was not getting the most out of his team. Um, Some would suggest the least out of what was there from a talent standpoint. General manager gets fired as well, so a completely new direction is required out in Los Angeles. Um, And look, like the Kellen Moore um, addition, I thought that was going to be a big one, and it wasn't. So that's... um, Like, it's just... They've thrown a lot of stuff at the wall recently, and not a lot of it has clicked. So this is going to be a really interesting next hire and a crucial next hire for the Chargers who basically play 17 road games a year because they are the second team in L.A., Um and basically every fan base just travels to L.A. to watch the the, the games against the Chargers and their own home fans aren't there. Um, they have been incredibly mid for this entire time. And now, like, it, it is desperation time to take advantage of what appears to be a franchise quarterback. So it is, um, it, it's quite the thing. Out there in LA right now, um, the, the joys of owning animals, hey? Um, for those listening in podcast form, my hat is covered in pet hair and I did not realize it until I hit record on here. So that's great. But um, like the, the Chargers, th- this was a move that needed to be made. Brandon Staley just so clearly had lost control of this thing a while ago and a loss giving up 63 points to a team that was shut out the week before. In a dome, by the way, that's uh, an understated thing about um, two weeks ago, is that this wasn't a snow game or anything like that. Perfect conditions, everything was fine, and they still got shut out, and then they came out this week and just took the Chargers lunch money. So, uh, a pathetic showing from the LA Chargers that had to lead to what happened today. All right, let's get into the football. Coming up on Saturday, it is Minnesota taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Cincinnati minus two and a half right now with the total setting at um, 40 and a half. The Vikings will be turning to Nick Mullins in this game. Cincinnati is going with Browning, who has been fine since uh, his return to... or not even return since his debut a couple of weeks ago. The thing that concerns me about this game is the defensive side of things for Cincinnati. They're 25th in defensive EPA per play, 31st in defensive success rate. Their defense is ranked 25th in uh, DVOA. Now, they've been able to survive the last couple of weeks, but I do think with Mullins... For Minnesota um, they're going to be able to I'm not gonna say push the ball or anything like that but I do think they're gonna be able to move the ball here with Jefferson uh, apparently coming back I do think they're gonna be able to move the ball and keep this one close Um, so I'm going Minnesota plus two and a half also going under 40 and a half on this one the middle game of the Saturday slate: Pittsburgh taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Indy favored by a point and a half with the total at 42. Indianapolis's defense has been giving up some points lately, so that's why this total is so high. But I'm going under on this one. Um, Pittsburgh's offense is dreadful. And Indianapolis has hit a bit of a wall last week. I don't think Indy going to be able to put up much for points against Pittsburgh. And I don't think Pittsburgh is going to be able to put up much points against anybody. So this one is a, a clear under to me in a monster game in the, the, the AFC as these two teams battle for playoff positioning. That This is a crucial crucial game on Saturday afternoon Saturday evening it is Denver taking on Detroit the Lions favored by four and a half with the total at 47 and a half this is this game was made specifically to spite me as these are both teams who I have been very slow in buying and now you have um On the Detroit side, it has kind of played out where like, all of the holes that I said there were, um, both in the offense and specifically on the defense, are really being exposed. And on the Denver side of things, um, maybe not. I, I looked better at the beginning of the year, and now they are looking like a real football team, which is why I'm taking them plus four and a half in this game. And I think you could honestly sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I think Denver, with the division up for grabs... This is a, a huge spot for them. I think Russell Wilson is going to be able to pick apart the secondary in Detroit. And I think a Denver defense that the stats don't look great, but that's because of the 70 points they gave up to Miami. Outside of that, I know it sounds weird, but since that, they've, excuse me, they, they've actually been quite good. So I, I think Denver comes away with a win in this game. Um, and, and that just really drives home what a huge loss that was for Green Bay uh, a couple of weeks or last week on Monday Night Football. Because um, they could be right there for a division, uh, a shot at the division coming up this week. Moving into Sunday, Kansas City taking on the Patriots. Chief favor by seven and a half. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. Kansas City is simply better than New England. Uh, the Patriots offense, um, while they picked up a win last Thursday, it, everything seems in shambles out in uh, New England right now. I, I I think that this will be a, oh, you guys think we're done? Um, game for, for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and I think they put a beat down on one of the first rivals of the Patrick Mahomes era the New England Patriots. Uh, the Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins favored by 9.5 in this game. The New York Jets defense has been putting up some numbers, right? Like, their second in defensive success rate, fourth in defensive EPA per play, third in defensive efficiency. This is a really, really good defense against the Miami team that had some struggles without Tyreek Hill on the field a week ago. Um, I do think Miami does enough to win this game um so i'm going miami minus nine and a half the the reason i I think they're going to do enough to cover the nine and a half is i don't think the jets are going to be able to put up much for points i think aside from frantic two minute drills um miami's defense looked really good for 58 minutes of that game i think they lock down here against the jets offense that um is nowhere near what the titans can put up and that's more of a shot against the Jets than it is uh, anything against the Titans. So I do think Miami covers nine and a half in this spot. Uh, Chicago taking on Cleveland. Interesting matchup for me. You have a a Chicago team that I think is starting to produce a little bit better offensively as of late. Um, I I do really think that they are starting to to put a few things together. And uh, now part of that was last week against a a Detroit secondary. That's not that good. And now you're going up against the best defense in the league when it comes to EPA per play and success rate. Um, They are the toughest team to throw against in the National Football League. And so because of that, I, I think that they'll be able to... I think they'll be able to shut down what Chicago's looking to do, and I think Cleveland comes away with a win of at least three points. So I think the Browns, in again, a huge spot in the AFC, come away with a win and a cover of minus two and a half. Houston taking on Tennessee. Um, I like the Titans in this spot. They are uh, three-point favorites in this game, with a total at 37 and a half. Um, I I just feel like... Houston is... um, I just feel like Houston doesn't have the defense right now. And with all the issues with C.J. Stroud, um, he's apparently doubtful for this game. I I think they're going to be able to come away with a victory here, Uh, Tennessee. I I just Houston's offense looked really bad. The the injuries are mounting with what's going on at receiver. And then on the defensive side, they're 17th in EPA per play. Tennessee's actually been able to move the ball a little bit as of late. So I I think the Titans win this one minus three. I do think it probably hits the under at 37 and a half. The Giants taking on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, New Orleans favored by 5.5 points. I think the New Orleans defense is the big one here. We're all very thrilled about Tommy DeVito and the uh, Tommy Cutlets and all of that. Um, the, the New Orleans defense is not Green Bay's defense. New Orleans defense is 7th in defensive EPA and 4th in defensive success rate. I think one of the big things that Tommy DeVito needs is that success rate of being able like, okay, first down, pick up five yards. Second down, let's pick up another couple. And then it's third and manageable and we're able to, to move it what does he what does he do when it's third and eight third and nine going up against this Saints defense I don't think it's going to be kind I think this is a the Giants come back down to earth I like the Saints to cover in this one uh minus five and a half and uh you know what didn't add it before but will now we will add that as uh one of our plays for the week New Orleans minus five and a half against the New York football Giants Moving on, it is the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, This game will probably be ugly again, as all of Atlanta's games have been this year, and as all of Carolina's games have been this year. Um, The the thing that I think stands out in this matchup is Atlanta's defense. Um, They are 8th in defensive EPA per play, 3rd in defensive success rate. Um, I, I think they will be able to come up with some big stops. I don't think they let Carolina move the ball. At all in this game. And so I think while Atlanta's offense doesn't do a ton, I think they do enough to cover three and a half. Tampa Bay taking on the Green Bay Packers. The Packers offense has now started to move the ball a little bit. They're eighth in EPA per play, seventh in EPA per drop back. While Tampa Bay's defense has been a little suspect this year, they're 20th in defensive EPA per play, um, seventeenth in defensive efficiency. So they're they're okay. Tampa Bay has been able to move the ball pretty well. And you saw last week, Tommy DeVito move the ball on this Green Bay offense. Or sorry, on this Green Bay defense. They're 23rd in EPA per play. They are 28th in defensive efficiency. I think that holds them back. I like Tampa Bay in this spot here. We're going to go Tampa Bay plus three and a half. Uh, That's going to be another one that we click on that I I forgot to put down. Um, And honestly, probably see how the weekend goes, but maybe a bit of a sprinkle. A little sprinkle on Tampa Bay plus three and a half coming up here. Or not just plus three and a half, but uh, Tampa Bay money line as well. San Francisco against Arizona. Not a lot needed for this one. San Francisco's the best team in the league. Arizona's one of the worst. I will take San Francisco minus a billion. Uh, San Francisco minus 12 and a half is the number... There. Washington taking on the LA Rams, the Rams favored by six and a half coming off of their wild game against Baltimore. The total is at 50 and a half. Um, I I think this one goes under that. I don't think Washington's offense has the capabilities right now of putting up those kind of numbers. But the Rams offense is legit. Ninth in EPA per play, um, sixth in rush EPA, fifth in um or yeah, fifth in the league in success rate on the run. They're ninth in offensive efficiency against a Washington defense that was struggling and they- then they traded away their two best players. So now they are 32nd in offensive EPA per play. 32nd in uh, EPA per dropback. They are 32nd in defensive efficiency. I think the Rams light them up. So I will go Rams minus six and a half. And that is going to be one that we click on. Uh, one of the marquee matchups of the day. And honestly surprised it wasn't flexed. Uh, Dallas taking on Buffalo. You got the Bills favored by two. The total is at 50 and a half. Um... These are the two darlings right now. Coming off of, like we said, these two teams have had two of the best wins of the season in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Buffalo with their win over Kansas City, and then Baltimore with a dominant win. Or, sorry, Dallas, sorry, with a a, uh, dominant win over Philadelphia. Um, The thing that I I think separates these two teams right now, because both offenses are great. Dallas um, is 6th in offensive efficiency. Buffalo is 3rd. Uh, Dallas is 2nd in EPA per play. Buffalo is 4th. I think the big separator in this game, Dallas's defense is 3rd in defensive EPA per play. Uh, they are 5th in defensive efficiency, while Buffalo is 15th in defensive EPA per play. 24th in... Um defensive uh, dropback success rate so I, I think ball or sorry I keep doing that I think Dallas is going to be able to keep moving the ball up the field and kind of matriculating as they like to call it um I just think that is the big separator in this game it's gonna be a fun one uh, but my play here is Dallas on the money line plus 110 I think they win this game straight up. In Buffalo, and then we'll be waiting all day for Sunday night as it's Baltimore taking on Jacksonville. Uh, the Ravens favored by three points. The Jags have been uh, have had a bit of a speed wobble lately, and they're just kind of there again. It's the defense more than the offense this year for Jacksonville. That's something we've been talking about with these stats for the last little bit. Um, The Jacksonville defense is 8th in defensive efficiency, but Baltimore's offense has been amazing. They're 2nd in the league in DVOA, 5th in offense, 2nd in defense. I just think the Ravens are a more complete team right now, and one of the things that is really concerning— Um, or is really interesting, sorry, is you have a Jacksonville defense that is second in the league in defensive rush success rate going up against the uh, fifth, or sorry, the top team in the league in in running success rate in Baltimore. So it's strength on strength. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait to see this one on Sunday night. But give me Baltimore, minus three. Those are the NFL picks for the upcoming Sunday of football. Uh, Now, Let's get into our fight preview as we get ready for UFC 296. It is... I love these, man. I I love the fight breakdowns, um... And we have a we have a good one here this weekend. It is UFC 286. Leon Edwards taking on Colby Covington for the Wel- welterweight championship. This is your UFC 286 breakdown. Let's start at the beginning of the main card. This one was moved up to the main card earlier this week because. The fight with uh, Vicente Luque and Ian Machado Gary has been canceled due to uh, Ian Gary going down with pneumonia. So moving up to the main card is Josh Emmett against Bryce Mitchell in the uh, featherweight division. You have Emmett, 38 years old, born in Phoenix, Arizona. He trains at Team Alpha Male, uh, and he's been there since 2006. You see a lot of these guys, oh yeah, he's been there since like 2017. Nah, Josh Emmett has been there for a long time, my guys. Uh, He is 18-4. and in his career, um, six wins by knockout, two by submission, one win by or one loss by knockout, and one submission loss on the resume, which means two decision losses, including the most recent one coming up against Ilya Taporia back at the UFC on ABC in June of this year. Uh, it's back-to-back losses after a five-fight winning streak. Four of his last five fights have gone to a decision. The veteran in the UFC, nine and four. And has been with the promotion since 2016, and a pro since 2011. Bryce Mitchell is on the come up. 29 years old, born in Texarkana, Arkansas, training at Barada. Uh, 16 and one, nine wins by submission, seven wins by decision, and one submission loss. His most recent octagon outing coming on September 23rd against Dan Ige. It's a unanimous decision win there. It's a bounce back after he also lost to Ilya Taporia. His last four wins have come by decision. His last stoppage win was a twister in 2019. He has been in the UFC since 2018, where he is 6-1. The tough, undefeated alumni is a BJJ black belt who has also fought in the RFA and the World Series of Fighting. He's been a pro since 2015. I want to pull up the odds here real quick. It's wild uh, for those who um, aren't watching. I, I had all that memorized and absolutely was not reading any of that whatsoever. Um, like, I, I have a lot of respect for Josh Emmett. I just feel like his strength plays into a greater strength of Bryce Mitchell's and so that's that's where i get a bit of concern and that's where i think the odds have the concern as well. Mitchell is a minus 213 underdog or a minus 213 favorite, sorry. Um now, Bryce Mitchell to win by submission is at plus 300 right now. I think that could be where some of the value is. Um the uh to win by decision is also in the plus money at plus 117 uh and to win by knockout is plus a thousand so either way you're getting some pretty good value and i don't hate a bryce mitchell by submission or a bryce mitchell by decision um sprinkle on that one as uh, as we like to say um but the the official call here i do think bryce mitchell gets the win and i think it is by submission so that is my prediction there this one's interesting um, and kind of sad. Uh, Tony Ferguson, going up against Patty Pimblett in the lightweight division. Ferguson is 39 years old, born in Oxnard, California, training with Eddie Bravo, and most recently, David Goggins in his Hell Week. Um, if you are unfamiliar with David Goggins, uh, you probably know him from yelling motivational things on Instagram and TikTok, uh, but he's an ultra marathon runner who is, I, I believe, a Navy SEAL, but I could be wrong on that, which would be terrible, but either way, um, 25-9 in his career, 12 wins by knockout, 8 by submission, 2 knockout losses, and 3 submission losses, including most recently at UFC 291 against Bobby Green. It is a 6-fight losing streak, he's been stomped in his last 3 and 4 of his last 6. The losing streak does come after a 12-fight winning streak that was punctuated by a victory against Donald Cerrone back at UFC 238. Uh, in July of 2019. He is a former interim lightweight champion and the winner of the Ultimate Fighter Season 13. He has been in the UFC since 2011, 15 and 7 for the UFC career. He's been a pro since 2008. Paddy Pimblett, 28 years old, born in Liverpool, England, training at Next Generation MMA Liverpool, 20 and 3 for the career, 6 wins by knockout, 9 by submission, 1 submission win, uh, sorry, 1 submission loss, and 2 decision losses. His most recent fight, a unanimous decision win against Jared Gordon, UFC 282. It's a six fight win streak, this fight was the first decision in that, and it was his first decision win since 2016. He's 4-0 in the Ultimate Fighting Championship since joining the promotion in 2021, Uh, he's been a pro since 2012, and does hold a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Let's make no mistake about this, peak Tony Ferguson kicks the shit out of Patty Pimblett, right? Like, not even close. It is just an absolute blitz. Boom, bang, bang, boom, done, over, done, cooked but it's very clear this is not peak Tony Ferguson, right? And the the, the frustrating, or not even the frustrating, but the difficult thing about him doing the hell Week thing with Goggins is if he was gassing out in these fights, and I guess only he knows that, but if he was gassing out in these fights, that'd be one thing. But no one in any of these fights has questioned the cardio of Tony Ferguson. It has been um, the, the chin and just the skill deterioration of one of the guys who will go down as one of the, the greats of his time. In the lightweight division. It is unfortunate that he doesn't get the fight with Khabib and I I do think that history kind of remembers him as second place in this whole little area. This is a fight to stay relevant. Uh, It is six fights in a row and the competition, with all due respect to uh, all of the fighters um, on this resume, the competition has become lesser and lesser as it's gone on and the losses have become more and more daunting to overlook, I guess, uh, for, for Tony Ferguson. Unfortunately, I do think Patty Pimblett gets the win in this fight. For Pimblett, boy, that that star burned out quick, man. People were real excited about this dude. Um, and now, all of a sudden... It's kind of cooled on Patty Pimblet. The hype train has definitely stopped as it seems like there are some real deficiencies in his game. Right now, he is a minus three hundred favorite to win this. Um, if you want this fight to go to decision, um, yes is plus one fifty right now. Um, Patty Pimblet by decision is plus one seventy-five, by submission is plus two thirty-nine, and by knockout is plus two ninety-eight. Um It's not a a fight I'm excited about. I I was a huge Tony Ferguson fan. It seems like just in general, life-wise, there's a lot going on with him. Um, A DUI um, earlier this year, there was a whole big family situation back in 2019. Um, It does seem like, at least on the surface, that's been figured out. But either way, there's just been a lot going on with one of the more exciting fighters that we had um, in the 2010s. But I, I don't think that this is going to be a fairy tale ending for Tony Ferguson. I think he falls by unanimous decision. Real interesting bout now in the welterweight division. Shavkat Rachmanov taking on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Rachmanov, 29 years old, out of the shirchi district in Uzbekistan. Uh, his family did move to Kazakhstan when he was a teenager. Trains out of Kilcliffe, Fight Club, which is quite the name for a place, and also, sounds like a place where someone would have this resume. 17-0, 17 stoppages. They've only needed the third round for one of his fights, and that was the most recent one, a submission win over Jeff Neil. Uh, that's, sorry, that's only the second time he's been to the third round. He's 5-0 and in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, four wins by submission, one win by knockout. He went 7-0 and in M1, winning that promotion's welterweight championship. Nine first-round finishes. He's been a pro since 2014. He is a master of sport in Combat Sambo, and a master of sport in mixed martial arts. Taking on all-time nice dude, Stephen Thompson. Uh, 40 years old, born in Simpsonville, South Carolina, training out of Sara Longo, among a number, uh, number of other places. 17 and six for the career. Eight wins by knockout, one by submission. He's been knocked out once, and the other five were decision losses. He's coming off of a TKO win in the fourth round over Kevin Holland at the UFC on ESPN. A little over a year ago. This will be his first fight of 2023. That was his first stoppage win since 2016. It ended a two-fight losing streak for him. He's 3 and 4 in his last 7, only being stopped twice or once, sorry. The two-time former challenger for the welterweight championship is 12 and 6 in the UFC after making his debut at UFC 143, Diaz versus Condit. He's been a pro since 2000. 10. There is no doubt in my mind this is a showcase fight, and if Rachmanov wins, he is the number one contender for the welterweight title. This is old school booking at his finest. This is, let's put the hot young kid on um, on the main card couple fights away from the top, have him go out and fucking powerbomb the 40-year-old guy from Simpsonville, South Carolina, and he'll go out and pick up a win, and and that'll be that, and he'll be the next title challenger for either Leon Edwards or Colby Covington. Um, I, I just, I genuinely don't see how Steven Thompson can win this. As I said there, Thompson uh picks up his first stoppage win since 2016. I am telling you now, he is not surviving 15 minutes against Shavka Ramanov. Um, like he, he he would have to be perfect or something. Rachmanov right now is a minus five ninety nine favorite. Um, for this fight to go to decision is plus one sixty five. That's actually kind of interesting. Rachmanov by decision is plus two fifty right now. Uh, Rockmanov by submission is plus one twenty, and Rachmanov by knockout is plus two fifty. So that's where I think the value is. I will go Shavkot by submission at plus 120. I feel like that is kind of the, the value play of this whole thing. And in fact, that, uh, that one's, that one's getting a click. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I genuinely don't see how, um, how Thompson can take this one. So, uh, the official pick, as I write it down, Shavkat Rachmanov by submission. Moving on. To the main event in the evening, it is for the flyweight championship of the world as Alexandra Pantoja goes up against Brandon pantoja Pantoja's 33 years old, born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, training at American Top Team, 26-5 and 5 for his career. His most recent win, a championship win, as he wins the flyweight title from Brandon Moreno at UFC 290. His four-fight win streak continuing, two submission wins, two wins by decision. He does have a win over Brandon Royval in his four-fight win streak, he's 10 into in the UFC, he's been in the UFC since 2017. Those 10 wins in the UFC's flyweight division are third most in the division's history behind Demetrius Johnson and Joseph Benavidez at 13. The tough Tournament of Champions alumni has been a pro since 2007. For Roival, 31 years old, born in Denver, Colorado, training at Factory X, also an instructor there. He is 15-6 and 6 for his career, with 13 stoppage wins, 5 by knockout, 8 by submission, 1 win- uh, loss by knockout, 1 submission loss. His most recent bout, a victory over Matthias Nicolau at UFC on ESPN, back on April 15th, 2023. It was a first round knockout third straight win back-to-back finishes the winning streak started after the loss to Pantoja in 2021 he's been in the UFC since 2020 with four of his five wins coming by stoppage he's lost twice the former LFA champion went six and two in LFA and has been a pro since 2012 this is a great showcase for these guys end of the year pay-per-view at least had semi-draws at the top uh, but a stacked card, nonetheless, and they add to a, a lot of the talent that is on this. I think Pantoja just continues to to get the job done here. He showed a lot in that Brandon Moreno fight, and while Royval has bounced back greatly, I don't know if we've seen enough from him to make him think that he can overcome what he lost in that that first bout. So I think Pantoja retains the championship, and now we get to the main event of the evening for the welterweight championship of the world: Leon Edwards against Colby. Covington. Edwards, the champion, comes in at 32 years old, born in Kingston, Jamaica, residing in Birmingham, England. He trades at Team Renegade BJJ, 21-3 and with one no contest in his career. His most recent win, a majority decision win over Kamaro Usman at UFC 286. It is now 11 fights in or 11 wins in a row with one no contest in there, meaning it's a 12-fight unbeaten streak that is the longest active streak in the welterweight division. It is the third longest among active fighters in the Company behind John Jones's 19 and Islam Makashev's 13. He has not lost since a loss to Kamaro Usman back in 2015. He does have just one knockout win since 2018. He's been in the UFC since 2014. 13-2 with one no contest in there, and a pro since 2011. The challenger, and the decided heel in this bout, Colby Covington, at 35 years old, born in Clovis, California, training at MMA Masters, 17-3 for his career, four wins by knockout, four by submission, one loss by knockout, one by submission. Um, His most recent win... Coming against Jorge Masvidal back at UFC 272, a unanimous decision win that puts him now at 3-2 and two in his last five fights. If you want a quick trip through the fight catalog of Colby Covington, you are probably not getting it. He has been to the fifth round in five, uh, or sorry, in his last six fights, four decisions, and two fifth round knockouts. Um, seven of his last nine fights have gone to decision. He is the former interim welterweight champion, one of three interim UFC welterweight champions in the company, along with George St. Pierre and Carlos Condit. Covington's 67 takedowns landed in welterweight competition, are second most in the division's history behind George St. Pierre. Um, he also is, has the second most total strikes in a UFC fight, landing four, uh, 541 against Robbie Lawler at UFC on ESPN5, uh, the second most behind Max Holloway's 747 Sorry, that's attempts. 541 attempts um, behind Max Holloway's 746 attempts at UFC on ABC1. Covington is a BJJ black belt to go along with a NCAA Division I All-American status um, that he got at Oregon State. He is 12-3 in the UFC and has been with the promotion since 2014, two years after his professional debut. There's a lot that goes, always, a lot that goes into Colby Covington fights. Um, I would never want to host a podcast with the guy. We have significantly differing um, political views. I will leave it at that. Um, But even with that, there is a way to be the heel that is creative and fun. Um, When you say, I'm going to drag you to hell and we'll see your dad there, that's lazy and just, like, I know it's shitty and I know it's designed to be shitty and it's all just a shtick. Um, but at some point, like, you are your shtick. And I think he has kind of become his shtick. It's not a good one. It's a lazy one. Now, look, he's talked his way into a championship. Because there is no way this resume of three and two, with a unanimous decision win over what's left of Jorge Masvidal, is enough or should be enough to justify you getting a title shot. It ju- it simply is not. So, resume-wise, it doesn't deserve a title shot. He has successfully talked his way into another title opportunity and he said that it was stolen from him before um it's just it's that again it's pro wrestling heel stuff right like i've i've never legitimately lost um again political views but i i've never legitimately lost and now i'm going to get a belt that's rightfully mine come this saturday on pay-per-view and bring it back to america um it's just it's tired and it's blah and so i will admit Watching tape on both of these guys. I say watching tape, it's on fucking internet, man. Uh, But watching the fights of both of these guys I will admit, I was looking for ways to believe that Leon could win this fight. And I, I do think the most likely outcome is Leon Edwards winning this bout. Uh, right now, Edwards is the favorite, coming in at minus 145. Colby, uh, a slight underdog at plus 139. Um, if you think it's going to go over, so do uh, odds makers As right now, over four and a half is at uh, minus 200. And so, yes, I, I will admit, like, I, I, am, I am fed up with the shtick and wouldn't watch this if I, I had the option to, I suppose. Um, cause I just, I don't, I don't want to support what he is about, quite frankly. So there's that. But now breaking this down from a technical aspect, one of the things that I, I think would be concerning, um, for, for Leon Edwards against Colby Covington is obviously the wrestling, right? Division one, um, all American and now, you could say, like, well, he just beat a wrestler twice in Kamaru Usman. Usman was able to get in deep on a number of takedowns and get him down, um, but then wasn't able to get the control. And so if that happens, if this stays a stand-up fight, Edwards beats him up. Um, Covington, as mentioned, put a bunch of volume together. He is a bit of a front runner when it comes to that. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of resistance coming from Robbie Lawler. We just did a legacy look on Robbie Lawler. Um, that was not the Robbie Lawler that we watched against Melvin Manhoof, right? That this was a different guy. And Colby Cummington admittedly rolled through him, right? Like, I couldn't have done it. Um, it, it takes a lot to be able to throw 541 fucking strikes in a UFC fight. So that's... wow. But for... Um, for Edwards, that the stand-up advantage is so clear. And so the the main game plan is going to be keeping this fight to... Um, at a, a stand up level as much as possible, and keeping this where like he has the advantage. For Colby, it's going to be get this one to the ground and hope the crowd's booing a lot, because if it's boring, that means Colby Covington is winning this fight. I do think that he has a slightly better top control at this point in their careers than Kamaru Usman, but I do think that his strike-up, uh, his strike-up, his stand-up, while, again, all that volume against Robbie Lawler, I do believe that it is not quite at a technical level that Kamaru Usman got his strike uh, striking game too. And so I think that's where Edwards has a real advantage. And one of the things I liked from Leon, basically every time, especially the beginning of the fight, every time Kamaro came in in their second fight, Leon was there with a quick uppercut. Um, he was switching stances a lot, which made it uh, a little bit difficult for Kamaro to get going, especially on the single legs that he likes to do early on in the fight. Um, and so he would he would kind of duck in when he was trying to charge in and get in for a takedown. And Edwards' movement was very good for a lot of this. And again, his sense of range allowed him to back up, hit a quick uppercut and circle away. And I think that's where he has the edge in this fight. Colby's Boxing is not like rudimentary, but I don't think it's advanced enough that he's gonna be able to cut off the cage and stop Leon from doing what Leon wants in these bouts. The quick kicks and the quick strikes I think are going to be too much for for Colby Covington to, to, to really get a grasp on here. The thing that would concern me from Edwards' standpoint is that as it slowed down, it was a little bit easier for Usman to get takedowns on Leon. And I think Colby will have do a bit of a better job of maintaining that top control than Usman did. And that was a big part of that fight at UFC 286 is Edwards, even when he was taken down, was able to get right back up right away. So it's it's an intriguing fight. There is absolutely a way Colby Covington wins this one. I do think Leon Edwards gets the victory here. Uh, so we are going Leon Edwards by decision in your main event at UFC 286. 86. So that is the UFC breakdown. You guys have heard me click on a few things during the show. What are the picks to click for the weekend? A busy today's ticket coming at you. All right, uh, let's begin with tonight. It is, uh, first, Lakers taking on San Antonio Spurs. LA only favored by six and a half. Seems borderline insulting to me. Um, so we're gonna go Lakers minus six and a half there. Moving into the hockey world, uh, we're gonna take Vegas minus a goal and a half against the Buffalo Sabres. On to Saturday. Um, Leon Edwards over uh, over Colby Covington. We are taking that one. Um, and we are also going Leon Edwards by decision over Colby Covington, that one came in at plus 160. Um, and we are taking Shavkat Rachmanov plus 120, uh, to win by submission. On to the NFL. We're going Rams minus six and a half against Washington. Um, Dallas plus 110 against Buffalo. Baltimore minus three against Jacksonville. New Orleans minus five and a half. Um, in their game, who are they playing again? Uh, Giants. (laughs) There we go. And Tampa Bay plus three and a half against Green Bay with maybe a little, little muddle line sprinkle on there at the end. Uh, so that is today's ticket. And that is today's show thank you guys so much for tuning in this week and for following along on social media twitter instagram and tiktok i'm at primetime twitch.tv slash primetime pk you can email this show couch diary at yahoo.com um all right Find me on uh, social media, we just covered that. If you want to support this show, subscribe to the channel, like the video, that stuff helps. Share that with your friends, that's greatly appreciated. Um, And you can also, um, if you're listening in podcast form, subscribe and leave a review. There. In terms of weekend content, I'm going to be on game over this Saturday as the Flames take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, so we will have you covered for that one um, there, and I would hope that I get a UFC breakdown coming up this weekend, but there's a lot going on over here right now, so um, that might have to wait until next week. But either way, we'll have somewhat of a breakdown of the last pay-per-view for 2023 for the UFC. We're going to have some rundowns of everything in sports uh, over the next little while as well um, as we get into year-end stuff. Definitely going to have best and worst of the worlds of uh, professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. um, And we'll have that for other worlds as well. So that is what is coming up on the show's this week, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Also next week, I should mention, I'm on Sportsnet 96 The Fan, actually quite a bit between now and the end of the year. Um, I am on Monday to Thursday, next week 1 to 3, and then I'm on the morning show on Friday, um, and then the 27th, 28th, and 29th, I am back on the morning show there as well. So, busy times around here, always love talking with all of you, and we will talk later. Have a good weekend, everyone. Chat with you on Monday. Or maybe sooner. Probably definitely sooner.